go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Finest refreshments, including ice cold beer. Let's make it a Miller Lite. Looking for a little sunshine, however. Sunshine on my shoulders makes me happy. Sunshine in my eyes can make me cry. Sunshine on the water looks so lovely. But sunshine almost always makes me high. Great John Denver. He's not with us this year for uh, for Christmas, for Hanukkah, uh, for no matter what it may be that uh, you are celebrating. John's been gone for quite some time, but he's feel good. He's happy music, right? Whenever you come on, admit it. Whenever you're John Denver, it's like you, you, you kind of don't. You got to turn it down a little bit if you're at a red light. Nowadays, it doesn't matter because no one looks at you anymore. Everyone's got their face buried uh, in their phone. Sunshine. Oh, John. On my shoulders makes me happy. Makes a lot of people horny as well, because I know the divorcees are running your ribbon tonight. In my eyes can make me cry. Jaguars losing two in a row will make you cry. Going 13 and 0 and being left out of the college football playoff. Will that make you cry? No, it should piss you off. Forget that sadness, that crying. Uh, you sh- here comes the high part. I wonder if they asked him not to say it on, uh, what was that old show way back when? The Ed O'Sullivan Show. Remember when they said to Jim Morrison and the Doors that you can't take us higher? They tried to make him change the lyrics. I wonder if they did that to John Denver about uh, almost making me high. Almost always makes me high. When you, in fact, do see the sunshine. Didn't see a lot of it today. My goodness, what a cold round of golf. Over at uh, Cimarron. Yeah, it's run by the 210 Mafia. But let me tell you, it is in phenomenal shape. Greens. Impeccable. I mean, they've poured a lot of money into it. And it's noticeable. So the ground, I don't know what it was today on the stint meter. But they were running uh, about as fine as I've ever seen them. They've reconfigured a lot of these tee boxes, the fairways. I know when I say Cimarron, a lot of you just going to go, yeah, you know? It's like a bad meal. You're going to be like, no, uh-uh. Give it a chance. New ownership. They have spent a tremendous amount of money. Now, it's right there on 210 with St. John's and Southampton and Stillwater and what have you, but I'm telling you, check it out and let me know. 6411010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. I don't need a couple of extra beans uh, in the pocket, if you will. I wouldn't be sponsoring them. I wouldn't be talking about them if I wasn't a believer. Okay? It's as simple as that. And I wouldn't have done this a year ago. Hell no. No way. I'll do it now. I'm putting it out there. Go check it out. Let me know. Cimarron on 210. What a fantastic day. It was cold. 
Man, it was really cold out on the golf course today, but uh, hopefully things start to warm up a little bit as we get even closer uh, again to the holidays. And as a matter of fact, let me check this once again. Is this right, JJ? Are you sure that this is correct? We've actually been invited to the Christmas party this year? <laughs> yeah, they have actually given us the night off to attend the Tenton XL Christmas party. I am First honored. ever. I, I, am, I am so honored by this. It's going to be a, uh, a wonderful event. I can't think of a better way to spend a Wednesday night with all of the great friends here that we have at 1010XL in 92.5 FM. It's, it's going to be phenomenal. Now, do we have anything special going on, like an ugly Christmas sweater or um, anything like that? No. You know? What I do is I find the non-drinkers and I ask for their drink tickets. Yeah, that's old. That's sort old, of like yeah. just a tradition. I'll buy your cocktails. But last year was actually the first one I even went to. I've worked here for like 10 years because like you, I'm always working. Yeah. Um, so I went for like an hour after work. But I'm excited. We'll have both of us there. In yeah. attendance for the first time ever. It's going to be a blast. Um, maybe I will wear my Miller Lite sweater. It's a Christmas sweater. I can't wait to see it. I, I may do that tomorrow night. I don't know. I'm sure the GF has my clothes already picked out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she does pick out my clothes. Um, I'm kidding. If you see me, I run in here with the, about I have about 100 different T-shirts. And I don't know, twenty different pairs of shorts. And a I whole just, rotation. I just do. Uh, yeah, she she does mix in the rotation a little bit, and she'll say to me like, "You just wore that shirt last week. You have a hundred in the closet." And I'm like, "Well, you need to move it up to the front part of the closet. I'm not going to go way back in there. I know I need my ten thousand steps every day, but I'm not going way into the closet. I mean, I'm just going to open the door, reach." Exactly. Whatever it is. If um, I have a shirt at the bottom of the, wear. if I have a shirt at the bottom of the pile, it'll be seven months before I wear it again. No. Maybe never. I went into you know, my I got a five bedroom. It's too big of a place for me, you know, when my daughter's both out and um I went in my oldest daughter's room and you know, since I'm no longer the Jaguar Cyglon reporter, I have like fifteen Jaguar polos. I've got like 25 Jaguar hats. I've got jackets. I've got vests. And it, as well, that is where all my 1010XL gear is over the 17 years that I've been in. Bro, I can fill a closet right now with 1010XL and Jaguar gear. Um, I was thinking about having some sort of sale, and it sounds a little bit like this. The first person who wants it, just come by and grab it, okay? <laughs> I'm actually rocking my brand new 1010XL sweatshirt right now. Hey, it is nice. That That, that is. is nice. But um, there is like a, a word on the street, apparently, that I'm a medium because everything they buy me is a, in a medium. Okay. Folks, I'm a large. Yeah, we cleared up the, lifting. the blue coward deal. Yes, uh, you were given a Los Angeles Dodgers shirt for Christmas. Right, a medium. And Joe was given a Florida State shirt. Well, I've been trying to lose a little <laughs> bit of weight, you know, and I was like, I, I thought that maybe was, someone was trying to, you know, make fun of me, poke me. You know, they may have heard about my my pending divorce with, with all Boston <laughs> teams. Or motivate you to lose weight. Yes. So I opened it up, and at, first off, we got this great backpack type of uh what would you call it it's, it's not, like a half book bag half um laptop 
Now, it's not you like the new thing. You for either or. Oh, I, a, I've never seen one like it, but I yeah. actually love it. it. It'll be perfect for traveling. Right. I saw it, and I was like, this is great. And JJ's like, bro, you got to check all pockets. Yeah. Okay. The and important I'm like, stuff's inside. I'm like, really? So I go inside, and I'm digging around, and bam, there it is. Shirt. Pull it out. <laughs> it's a medium Los Angeles Dodger shirt. I'm like, like how man, long I, have I worked here? I could have fit in that when I was like 12 years of age. I mean, this is like the, the greatest thing worked ever. Worked here for how long and they think you're a, a small Dodgers fan. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> so I guess Joe Cowart got an extra large Florida State shirt. Hilarious. Yeah. So we made the uh, the, the transition. Uh, not much of an issue there. But yeah, it should be fun tomorrow night. So uh, we're not going to be with you. On Wednesday, uh, that's typically the day I go to the Jaguars locker room. I'm not going to do that either. Uh, I'm getting up with a couple of clients tomorrow during the day and then absolutely getting excited for the Christmas party. We will be back Thursday and Friday from 6 to 8, and obviously we'll have much more to do on those two particular shows. And at that point, our attention will fully be turned uh, towards Baltimore. Right now, it's still lingering a little bit. You know, I... I, I do feel a little bit of uh, uneasiness out there with you um, losing two in a row. The expectations when you were eight and three were as a top seed, you know, a, a buy um, in the first round. Now you're just kind of hanging on uh, with a record of eight and five and, and overall you're a four seed. But, you know, I just go up and down and I look at things around professional football and this is actually very confusing. Uh, what's going on with our league right now? It's it's really hard to try to figure out who are the best teams. I mean, Dallas has won five in a row. San Francisco's won five in a row. Denver's won six of seven. Do we take Denver seriously? They're one of the few co- you know one of the few teams in the NFL that has a Super Bowl winning coach and a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Yet they're on the same team. Is there any other combination in the NFL that has that outside of Los Angeles and Kansas City? I think there's only three right now in pro football that have a Super Bowl-winning coach and a Super Bowl-winning quarterback on the same team. I I think that is the case. Uh, I could, in fact, um, be wrong. Lamar Jackson, no, it hasn't happened with Lamar Jackson. They haven't even gotten there. It's happened with Joe Flacco. It's happened with uh, um, Dilfer, Trent Dilfer in Baltimore. It hasn't happened, uh, obviously, uh, yet with Lamar Jackson. We'll see what comes in. And, and what makes this really intriguing is, again, if you just look at it and you give it the eye test, in the last two weeks I was burnt. Severely. I, I had Jacksonville winning on Monday night under the bright lights against a backup quarterback in Cincinnati. I think most of you out there listening did as well. And, you know, during the offseason and when we made our predictions right before the start of the regular season, I chose Cincinnati, but I did that because I thought Joe Burrow would be the quarterback. I mean, we make our preseason picks, and that's fun. You know, it's all good. It's a bit. It's, uh, it's fine. I think everyone does it. But obviously, the real picks count when you make it in season, and things change week to eat, week to week, uh, most notably because of injuries. And when Burrow went down, no doubt I had Jackson over Cincinnati. All along, I really struggled with this Cleveland game. But when Deshaun Watson went down, I was like, I don't care how cold it is, and I know that Cleveland plays some really good defense. Jacksonville goes in there and wins. 
I never thought it would be a high-scoring affair like it ended up being. Uh, but, yeah, that leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you see that Jacksonville goes back-to-back with losses against backup quarterbacks in consecutive weeks. And now, all of a sudden, you get a guy who's considered one of the very best at his position coming in. But Baltimore struggled last week, barely winning that game. It took overtime to get it done against Los Angeles. Nonetheless, I understand that you have a lot on your mind as far as Jacksonville is concerned. As we do it here on Tuesdays during football season, we allow you to get in with your thoughts. 641-1010, when we get back from our first break, we will grab some phone calls. Uh, Two ways that you can join us. Again, 641-1010, if you'd like to call in, you can text in as well, same number, 641-1010, and that is the text line, which is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. All right, opening comments tonight and every night brought to you by the good folks over at Schmunez Vision. I've known Dr. Neil Schmunez um, since I got back into Jacksonville in 2006. They're a family organization. They focus on personal high-quality medical and surgical eye care. Dr. Catherine Schmunez, fellowship trained in cornea, cataract surgery, all refractive surgery. Yeah, they're all different, and your eyes are different, all right? Everyone's eyes are different, and if they're bothering you now and you're kind of playing the role of, well, let's just give it a little bit of time, and we'll see if it gets better. Why would you do that with your eyes? Why would you risk your eyes? Especially when I'm telling you where the perfect place to go is and where you can get everything looked at. Out at the beach, that is Schmunez Vision. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at their website because it's fantastic. SchmunezVision.com. That's SchmunezVision.com. 299-2906. Schmunez Vision Care you can see. All right, let's get after it right now. Let's talk about this Jaguar football team. There are more questions right now than there are answers, but this applies to all 32 teams in pro football. I, I want to build it up like I've never seen a year like this, but it, it feels that way. Kansas City looks old. Buffalo looks lost, and I know they won a big game against Kansas City the other day. Miami, you're a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. How did you allow that to happen last night with, what, a minute 33 to go? And you allow an eight-play drive to set up for a 37-yard field goal? It's, it, it's so hard to try to dissect what is happening. And if you love parody, and if you love flipping a coin – then this is the type of football that you really like. And that's good for Jacksonville because if they can get healthy and they can avoid future injuries and figure out some things like certainly being able to run the football and stop making stupid penalties. You're only averaging more than five a game, but you had five pre-snap penalties last week. That can't happen in week 14. Pre-snap penalties, that, that's a college penalty. That's on Saturday when you're not when it's not your full-time job. And oh, you know, it's a rebuilding team. He's got a lot of youngsters in there. He he moved before the ball was it doesn't happen in the NFL. It shouldn't happen in week 14. You had five pre-snap penalties two days ago. That can't happen. You gotta fix that. So let's try to solve a couple of these problems tonight. 
Again, the best way for you to get on in, 641-1010. Along with J.J. LaSalva, my name is Rick Ballou. We call it Into the Night. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Cover up out there, ladies. It is cold. My goodness. All you Johns, tip. Tip more. I mean, after all, I've been called an empath so far tonight. I'm looking out for everyone. It doesn't matter what your profession is. I figured out what that was, by the way. That is the oldest profession. Um, say. An empath is a man with what? Empathy? Exactly. Yeah. This has never been called an empath. I didn't even know it was a word. I still don't think it is. But when you okay. said it, I was like, empath? Like the letter M? No, EMP, like... The 0416 text, uh, text in and, and referred to me as an empath. So, And I thought it might have been new lingo. I thought it might have been millennial lingo. You know, Generation Z lingo. So I, I, what I did was I checked down to you. Okay, I was going to go deep with it. You know, I was going to mention it, and I was like, you know what? What if you say something and you're you're wrong here? What if someone set you up uh, to get canceled? So I went to my check down, which is Evan Ingram, uh, and it's JJ. And JJ was like, man, I don't know what that is. I don't know what empath is. So we're uh, trying to figure that out. Someone says here, yeah, brand new clubhouse, outdoor, indoor bar at Cimarron. Uh, here's a guy, 2040, played today at 1130. Such great conditions. I played it um, 1.30 today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, go check it out, and then, and then let me know. I'm always honest with you, right? And I know Rick over there well. Rick Shoemaker well. I'm a, you know, I like him an awful lot. And I said, this is, is going to be a little bit of a challenge here. You know, it's, it's tough to... Um, it's tough to change a reputation. In the, in, no matter what form of business you're in, it's tough. And the only way to change that is by massively improving your product. And that's what they've done at Cimarron. Incredibly affordable rates, too. So head on out there. Let me know what you think. This is uh, the 2480. Said it was a little chilly out there. It was. And, and uh, at least... Guys like you, Justin, at least you can have a couple of cocktails, right? I can't. I never would. Before airtime here. People don't believe that either. They don't believe I don't bet, uh, and they don't believe I don't drink before the show. They're wrong. Now, sometimes you hear me running back in from my key GMCC. <coughs> <coughs> you know, maybe spending a little too much time... <coughs> Fishing stuff out of the ashtray, maybe. Yeah. But never, never drink it. All right. Let's get to it. Let's grab some calls tonight. 641-1010. If you'd like to get on in, let's start things by going to Brad on this Tuesday night. He goes into the night. Hey, Rick. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Uh, huge fan of the show. Uh, I'm going to make two quick observations to you, and then I'll get your comments off the air. One, the miscommunication. I mean, that makes me want to pull my hair out on both sides of the ball. I, I, we're in week 13. 
how are there miscommunications this late in the season? And two, the offensive line. They, they have no fight. There's no bite to that dog. They are a bunch of, of guys. That's all they are. I mean, Anton, he's a rookie. Sheriff, I mean, he's got no energy. Fortner, nothing. Uh, you know, Shatley, nothing. You know, I, I Little, when he was playing, nothing. Hans, nothing. I mean, it's just, you know, for example, when, when Trevor went down in that Monday night game, if you go back and watch the, the tape, none of those guys came over and checked on him. They all just kind of stood around and looked at him. So, hmm. you know, I'm curious. Get your opinion. What do you think? I mean, do we need to re-all the O-line this offseason? I'm just curious what you think. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate your call, 641-1010. I didn't notice that about the offensive line. The years that I was the sideline reporter for the Jaguars, that would have been one of the first things uh, I would have looked for. Um, but then again, he was – you know, he got up and he was walked off. We remember all the controversy with it, with, with no cart, but he, he went to the tunnel. So, I don't know. Um, I'm just listening to what you said there. Uh, I've been hollering about the wall of Duval for a very long period of time. Okay? Um, the year that they drafted Trayvon Walker, I would have gotten Neil or I would have taken Iggy. I would have taken one of the two offensive linemen, regardless of how well they um, have played in the NFL, okay? You need an offensive line. You have a franchise quarterback. Justin Herbert, gone for the year, announced today. You saw C.J. Stroud go out with a concussion. We've had, what, 10, 11, 12 starting quarterbacks already out for the remainder of the year, or if not, certainly on the shelf for a considerable amount of time. For instance, Minnesota announced today they're going with Nick Mullins for their starter this weekend. Okay, fifth year out of Southern Mississippi, he's going to play against Cincinnati. Um, when I really began to, I think, understand pro football, when I got over here, when the Jaguars did in the mid-90s, I say it all the time, the identity of that football team, in my opinion, has been the offensive line, was the offensive line. And as a guy who was in the locker room three or four days a week and I worked at the ball, that's always where I went to first. Ben Coleman, Dave Wydell, Brian DeMarco, Rich Tilski, Baselli, Searcy. It just went on and on and on. And they were pros, and there was meanness there. There was toughness there. There was a little bit of dirtiness there. I I haven't seen it with this offensive line. It's been soft since I returned. I just, I've been very disappointed with it. It should be the identity of a club, and it's not here. Uh, Brandon Sheriff actually had his best grade of the year, a 78-9, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, To me, he looks hurt. He looks slow, and he looks hurt. And I give him credit for being a tough guy. He played with the core injury a year ago. He had a hernia surgery during the offseason. You can see that there are times where it takes him a couple of extra seconds to get up and to get back to the huddle, and there's kind of a feeling of, is he going to be able to make it? Is it time for a change to be made. Maybe Cooper Hodges uh, gets an opportunity here late uh, in the year. That That's not a best-case scenario. I mean, 
Cooper Hodges is what? A seventh-round rookie who's been on the injured reserve all year. Of course you want Brandon Sheriff out there, but he just doesn't look 100%. So I'm with you. As far as I'm concerned, the only two givens for next year are Harrison at right tackle and Walker Little at left tackle. And I hope Walker Little can get back out there Sunday night. Doug Peterson seemed to think that there was a better chance of that yesterday. It'd be interesting to see what Doug Peterson says tomorrow about Walker Little after his off day today. But that interior offensive line needs to be totally changed in 2024. And I know week to week to week, Luke Fortner is is getting more starts. I'm just not seeing it with it. I mean, and take what you want with pro football focus. They gave a really good grade to Brandon Sheriff, 78-9. Blake Hansen, 18.3. Man, I wrote down some numbers on Blake Hansen a little bit earlier today. 75 snaps at left tackle over the last two weeks. He's allowed 10 pressures. He allowed eight on Sunday. Let's see. Blake Hansen played 52 plays for Jacksonville. And depending on looking at him and then S for Cleveland who came in, so you've had four different left tackles. You got to get Walker Little uh, back. Anton Harrison on the right side of forty-eight-seven. That's not good enough. It, it, it's just not. Ezra Cleveland in his limited time of fifty-nine-nine. That's okay. You'd like it to be a, a little bit better. As far as miscommunication. That drives me nuts. You, you know, you return your entire staff. All right, you lost Jim Bob Cooter to, uh, to Indianapolis, but, and you brought in holes. But for the most part, you got your entire offensive staff there. You have Mike McCoy there. You have Press Taylor there. You have Doug Peterson there. You have C.J. Beathard there. You have Trevor Lawrence there. That room is the same. You have added some younger guys, and, and you're always going to hear that excuse. What, two weeks ago? Parker Washington didn't run the right route. What happened? Walker Little got blown back. You have the injury to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Last week against Cincinnati, younger defensive backs. Gregory Jr., second year, didn't understand Cincinnati with motion. You know, to the point where Doug Peterson said that the noise was too loud, even though they were on defense and it was a home game. I've never heard that before. Um, It's frustrating. The, The Calvin Ridley deal, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, other than I'm totally surprised. This is a show-me year for Calvin Ridley. He's going to be 29 years of age on December 20th. That's a week away. And he's got a chance, had a chance, to make top five wide receiver money, top ten wide receiver money. You going to pay him that amount? You going to pay him 17, 16, you know, 15, 16, 17 million dollars a year? I know the salary cap's going to go up to $240 million, right? Right now it's a 224.8. And we just talked about three offensive linemen that could be gone. Your entire defensive line is in flux. I mean, you're invested in Devon Hamilton. I know you redid deals with Big Foley and Roy Robertson-Harris, and I'm, I'm going to have to look at it again uh, to see – what the dead cap money is, but my goodness, RRH, he's played like 100 snaps in the last two weeks. I think he has like one tackle, no quarterback hits, no pressures. He hasn't picked up 
where others have left him behind, if you will, he's really struggled. So this football team is going to turn over in a year. And it's going to start by building around, you know, your franchise quarterback. But miscommunication to me is, is startling. It's baffling. And the only way that, that I would give it somewhat of a, okay, I got you, is if Trevor Lawrence is changing play calls at the line of scrimmage then maybe that can be a little bit confusing. But if you're calling a play in the huddle and you know what that play is and you're still not running the right route, and that, that's that been kind of the word on Calvin Ridley. I haven't had anyone who's directly associated with the Jaguars look at me and say, yeah, you're 100% correct or you're 100% incorrect. That, that's been thrown around a little bit. That second interception on Sunday was not what you would expect with a number one veteran wide receiver. Totally lost. That's what you expect with a rookie. You know, Parker Washington got hammered for running the wrong route. He's a rookie. Does he get a little bit more leeway than a veteran? Yeah, but again, this is their full-time gig. This is their full-time job. And you have to understand it. And they're not. I. I do think that offenses and defenses today are are more complex than they've ever been. You notice that Jacksonville's mixed up their defenses a little bit. Yeah, I think we'll see it again against Baltimore on Sunday night. You're probably going to get a lot of three safety looks. You may get three linebacker looks. You may see Chad Muma all of a sudden get a lot of playing time. If if the feeling is is that Baltimore is going to run the ball and run the ball and run the football. But also, Jackson were right now really beaten up at safety. Rayshon Jenkins went down twice. Cisco battered. So, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, what will Mike Caldwell in his defense do? I could fix anything with this football team. Anything. It would be the offensive line. I mean, I, I would sacrifice superstars for that group being the best in the NFL. And, and I don't want to say it the wrong way. I want Trevor Lawrence to be a top-five quarterback. I really do. You know, I, I want there to be some, some stars here in town that you can resonate with. But that offensive line, if you could up any group, to me, that would be the one. It, it is consistently. Now, this is the second year running. This is arguably the worst offensive line in the NFL. It, it grades out like 30th, 31st in almost every measurable. They're bad against the run. They're bad with pass blocking. You, you know, and then you get into some of those analytical grades that I, I, I do get can be confusing because it's the new math within the NFL, but it just doesn't, it doesn't look good at all for the Jaguars. I don't know what they're going to do with that offensive line next year. I mean, I guess best case scenario would be 
Little's healthy. Harrison's healthy. Fortner gets a lot stronger. Remember, he came in as a 24-year-old rookie. He's a 25-year-old second-year player now. That whole strength thing, you know, either have it or you don't, right? It's one thing if you're talking about a 21-year-old, you know, a 20-year-old, three years in college, 21-year-old. No, we're talking about a 25-year-old man who had six years in Lexington, Kentucky. He's just not he's, – uh, he's not strong. Getting blown off the ball. Uh, maybe they can get something out of this Cooper Hodges kid. Boy, what a great, uh, what a great find that would be if you could just plug him in and say, there you go. There's your seventh-round pick. In 2023, he's entrenched as a starter in 2024. I can't say that to you with a straight face. I have no idea if this guy can play. I don't have a clue if he can play. He did a couple of nice things in camp. Haven't seen him since. Got to fix that. Appreciate that call. We have more on the other side. 641-1010 if you'd like to join us. Taking phone calls tonight on the Jaguars. Also getting an awful lot in on our text line. Same number, 6411010 on the text line, which is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Like night in a forest, like the mountains in springtime. Like a walk in the rain. So much reaction so far tonight to uh, to John Denver. Not sure why. Outside of the fact that I sang it at the very beginning part of the program, but I think John Denver is one of those that we all kind of love, but there's a little bit of it where you're just kind of scared to admit it. You know. I think that's probably the best way to go about it, but it's feel-good music, and uh, I was talking about sun, sunshine on my shoulder. I mean, today was cold. I was talking to my daughter. She's out in Chicago. She's like, it's in the 30s. I'm like, you were born there. Why are you there? You know, we came back. You know, we were here. You were here. You know, I, oh, I'm visiting the grandpa. Okay. But it's it's awful. And who wants to live in Chicago? You I'm telling you, man, I used to go like months without seeing the sun. It's it's not radio embellishment. It's it's the truth. We're lucky here. We are. It was brutal today, man. It was cold, nasty, biting, windy. Fights through the layers. Uh, but it's going to go away, right? Before you know, it'll be a nice day. I, I never checked the weather. I don't know what it's going to be like tomorrow, but. Um, don't look at it for the game this weekend. Gonna be chilly. Sunny it's night? gonna be thunderstorms and cold all night. Really? That's not good. That's not good for Jacksonville, who all of a sudden can't run the football. It could change by then. I mean, oh sure, oh sure. Twenty fourth in the NFL is Jacksonville when it comes to running the football. I mean, think about it. You're a first place team. You have the worst offensive line in pro football. And you're 24th in rushing in the NFL. It's it's pretty amazing if you really analyze these numbers, how the Jaguars 
are in first place. And how the Jaguars, even two weeks ago, were being you know, looked at as a possible number one seed. It doesn't make any sense. And, and I understand that it's not played with numbers and, and only numbers, that the game dictates so many different situations, uh, field positioning, penalties, you know, getting a massive takeaway, or the flip side, turning the football over, as Jacksonville did. They had four huge turnovers in that loss. You know, a fumble by a rookie in Parker, Washington that can't happen. Some bad throws by Trevor Lawrence and some miscommunication with Trevor Lawrence and and Calvin Ridley. Uh, You you know, that's going to result in losses. But, you know, all of a sudden I'm just – I'm sitting here and I'm thinking this is a playoff team. It's going to have to take a massive collapse for the Jaguars not to make it into the playoffs. I think they lose this weekend. I'm not going to say that for sure until J.J. and I make our picks on Friday. I want to see what's going on with Kyle Hamilton in Baltimore. I want to see other players in Baltimore. You know, are they expected to play? Are they out? Obviously, tomorrow's a very important day health-wise for Jacksonville uh, as well. But if you look at their schedule, even if they were to lose and fall to 8-6, and six, okay, you go to Tampa on Christmas Eve, you host Carolina, you go to Tennessee. To me, that's three straight wins. Now, others will say, whoa, pump the brakes here, Baloo. Didn't you watch what Tennessee did last night at Miami? Didn't you watch what Tampa Bay's done uh, the last couple of weeks? All of a sudden, you know, the Buccaneers uh, have won two two straight. Granted, it was against Carolina, and it was a win on the road uh, in Atlanta, but it's still an NFL win, and they haven't mailed it in. They're still playing some solid football. As a matter of fact, I wanted to look at this next hour. I think I'll wait until then. I kind of wanted to look at the AFC playoff projection and – Look at where Jacksonville is with the other conference leaders. Uh, Last night's Miami loss, and especially the way that they did lose, allowing two touchdowns like that to a rookie quarterback, you know, in the, what, final three and a half minutes or whatever it was in that game, that that got me saying, you've got to be kidding me now. What do you make of the AFC? Miami now, 9-4. I thought for sure they would be 10-3. They were 13.5-point home favorite. Uh, Baltimore, 10-3. But just, and they've won three in a row. Just barely gutted it out at home against Los Angeles the other day. Uh, Every team loses in the AFC South outside of Tennessee. It was a weird week. All four teams were on the road. Right? Jacksonville on the road, Indy on the road, Houston on the road, Tennessee on the road. The the three teams that have playoff aspirations all lose. Very winnable games. They all lost. Tennessee wins as a two-touchdown underdog on Monday night. Go figure. Kansas City. All of a sudden, they look old. And, and there feels like something's missing there. Yeah, Mahomes is popping off, but his wide receivers are dropping balls and making mistakes. They've had some ill-advised penalties. Kansas City's lost three of four. 
and they look human again. Everyone's telling me Denver, Denver, Denver. Denver's won six of seven. I'm not a believer. I'll tell you right now, if Denver was coming in this weekend, I'd take Jacksonville. Going out there, mm, I I need a little bit more time to really study what's going on with the Broncos as far as their health. Uh, But that's the point I'm making. This thing right now is absolutely nuts in the AFC. And it's going to take 18 weeks, 17 games. NFC's pretty, uh, pretty intriguing as well. But nothing is like what we are seeing in the American Football Conference. As a matter of fact, when we come back, let's, uh, let's start with that. Let, let's look at this a little bit, have some fun with it, uh, the parity that we're seeing, uh, but where the Jags are compared to these other divisional leaders. Uh, are you going to take Jacksonville right now to get that top overall seed? Well, they're two out with four to play, but the team with the best record is here in four days. You can punch you can punch Baltimore in the mouth, and you get a nine and five, and you send Baltimore to ten and four. And look at the games that the Ravens have their last four compared to Jacksonville's last four. And in this case, for both teams, I should say three because they face one another. Let's say Jacksonville beats them. They have the head to head. They're one game out with three to go. Well, you know Jacksonville's schedule. Baltimore then turns around and goes to San Francisco. They host Miami, and they host Pittsburgh, a divisional rival. That is murderer's row compared to Jacksonville. Are you kidding me? Going to Tampa, hosting Carolina, and going to Tennessee? Crazy stuff. Let's come back, get into this. If you want to jump in as far as thoughts on the Jaguars, we're going to take calls in our second hour. The best way for you to do it is 641-1010. Let's get ready for hour number two. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I typically don't start with a uh, with a text, but I'm going to do that right now. The 94.17 says, losing Foley and putting Hamilton in has been a large drop-off against the run. This is fascinating because I was talking about Ridley last night, talking about Ridley tonight. If, if I was, and I did it consistently, um, I go to every practice in camp at the Miller Electric facility. Love it. Love training camp. I love training camp more than I do the regular season because we're allowed to watch and practice, and um, th- there's always that feeling of which way are things going to go. Trevor Lawrence was absolutely phenomenal. He would have been star number one. Number two, without question, was Calvin Ridley. What he did in the month of August, except for that one day when he had the five drops, okay, it was just a really bad day. Outside of that, he was, he was arguably the best wide receiver I've ever seen in training camp. I'm talking about going back to Jimmy Smith. 
I'm talking about Justin Blackman. I've seen them all. He was that good. The best defensive player before the injury was Devon Hamilton. He was a monster. And he was injured. It's still on the down low, if you will. It's been a little bit of a hush-hush. What, what really happened to his back? You know, I've heard some things. I, I'm not in a position that I need to mention them because I don't know if they're true. And let me tell you, I have the utmost respect for him as a person. Really like him. One of my favorite guys on the team. But it feels like that's kind of what's going on around here. And I, I think that that's the case for probably all 32 teams. Guys are playing who are banged up. And I think we keep forgetting just how incredibly healthy Jacksonville was a year ago. Look at the losses. You lost Ben Barch early and Cam Robinson late. You lost Shaq Griffin in week five. You stayed healthy all season long. Now look at this year's club. Uh, Boy, that Monday night football game, uh, even the – all those years I spent as a Jaguar Sagan reporter, I don't ever remember a game. I'm sure there might have been one, but I don't remember it where the guys dropped the way that they did. And, and we saw more injuries uh, this past weekend. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm never going to change my ways. Uh, in August of 24, I'm going to be out there again for training camp. I love training camp. But, you know, our, our eyes and our ears, it's our responsibility to report what we see and who looks good and who doesn't look good. And I always take notes. I always save stuff. I have them back here for my first show since I returned in 06. Have you ever walked into my, um, seen my desk? I, I save my old, I don't know why, I never go back to them. But I'm sure if I was to dig out August of, you know, August of 23, I would be raving about Devon Hamilton, raving about Calvin Ridley, writing it down because that's exactly the way that I felt. They would absolutely, those two, not only would they be in my top five, they'd be in my top three. I'm trying to think who else. Now that I think of it, I, I probably had Tank Bigsby on that list. Remember, Anton Harrison had some injuries. Uh, Bigsby, to me, was far and away the best rookie. In camp. That that's a surprise. He looked different. He was clearly different from Snoop Connor of a year ago. I don't know. It's it's crazy. It is. I, I think injuries have something to do with that. Not in the case of Tank, at least that we're aware of, but certainly it has with the situation involved here with uh, Devon Hamilton. All right, let's look at the four teams at the top. Right now, Jacksonville's the fourth seed. We know that. We, we get that. We, and Jag fans, you're, you know, you're aware of their schedule, okay? You got a huge one uh, coming up against the Ravens. Then on Christmas Eve, obviously, you go on out and you go to Tampa Bay. After that, you host uh, Carolina, and then you wrap up the season by, you know, taking the trip to Nashville. 
uh, to try to knock off the Titans. Okay, let's compare that to the other teams. I still think Kansas City's the best team in the AFC. Do you agree or disagree? Um, yes. I Yes. Not in the NFL, but in the AFC. Okay. They go to New England this weekend. There's a report out, and I don't even know who it's from. The, the mainstream media has yet to pick it up. There's a report out that Belichick and the Patriots are going to you know, they're going to go, that's it. It's coming to an end. The marriage is coming to an end in four weeks. Now, the New England Patriots are the only team right now in the AFC who's actually been eliminated. Can you believe that? Every other team is still there. That includes five and eight teams, Tennessee, New York, and Las Vegas. And if you look at those five and eight teams, Chargers, down a quarterback. Vegas, down a quarterback. Jets, down a quarterback. Although we're talking about Aaron Rodgers returning. Tennessee, now in their second quarterback. It's, um, it's crazy stuff. But anyway, Kansas City, 8-5. and five. They go to Foxborough this weekend. They then host the Raiders, host the Bengals, and go to the Los Angeles Chargers. So they're going to take on a team, or excuse me, they're going to play four teams who are playing backup quarterbacks. You've got Zappy in right now in New England. Uh, you got the change. Uh, who am I thinking of for the um, for the Raiders? For crying out loud, what, what's his name again? O'Connell. Yeah. Uh, yes. Aiden O'Connell. AOC. AOC. Bengals. We saw it. We saw it with our own two eyes with Jake Brown, and now the Chargers are or without Justin Herbert. So, I mean, the naked eye says to me four and zero. Does it say four and zero to you? Just looking at those four teams? Um, like four and zero, how? Like Kansas City knocking off New England, oh, Las Vegas, weekend. Cincinnati, and then no, at LA. I I Cincinnati I think could easily lose. I that Browning thing's gonna end soon. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they lose this weekend. No, no. I'm saying Kansas City, their next four games. They go to New England. Oh, if Kansas City's four and oh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's why I still think they're the number one seed, even though they're two games behind Baltimore. Because Baltimore, again, comes here, then they go to San Francisco, then they host the Dolphins, and then they host a rival in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those are four very difficult games. And if I was the guess here, I'd probably give them a two and two, maybe a one and three. Miami. Okay, and I'm still shocked they lost last night. All of a sudden, they have the Jets this weekend. Okay, that's a home game for them. Uh, To me, it looks like a win on paper, but that's not the way this league is. Then they host the Cowboys, arguably the best team right now in all of football, certainly there with San Francisco um, in the NFC as well as the league. Then they go to Baltimore, does Miami. Finally, at the end of the year, and they catch, I guess, a break here, by getting Buffalo in South Florida and obviously not getting Buffalo out in Orchard Hill. That's a totally different world playing a football game home and away for all of those AFC East teams. But look at the difficulty of the schedule that Miami has and that Baltimore has. And again, Ravens 10-3, and three, Dolphins 9-4. and four. And then look at how easy it is 
for Kansas City, who I think wins all four. In Jacksonville, honestly, I think they go three and one. I think Jacksonville ends up going 11 and six, which is what you and I picked in the preseason, if memory serves me correct. Yeah, both of us. Uh, we switched it like halfway through the preseason, but yeah, I think I went from 10 to 11. Maybe you went from 12 to 11. No, I went 10 uh, when we did it with me, uh, with me O'Brien, and the uh, uh, you know social media during the summer. I went 10 and 7, and then I improved it to 11 and 6. Hmm. So we'll see what ends up happening. Hey, for what it's worth, Baltimore right now, the top seed, they would get the bye. If the playoffs were this weekend, a two seed would be Miami. They would play host to a seven seed in Indianapolis. The three seed would be Kansas City. They would play host to Pittsburgh, who's a six seed. And it would be Jacksonville, a rematch now from last week's game. It The game would be here in Duval. And as a four seed, they would host the first wild card team, uh, number five, uh, Cleveland. So that is the way the AFC looks right now. And, you know, if you go through it, it's Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City, Jacksonville, and then again, the first wild card team, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Indy. Those are your seven playoff teams. But if you look at the second and third wild card teams, Pittsburgh, seven and six, Indianapolis, seven and six. Then all of a sudden, you look at the rest of the conference, okay? Houston, just outside looking in, 7-6. and six. Denver, just outside looking in, 7-6. and six. Cincinnati, just outside looking in, 7-6. and six. Buffalo, just outside looking in, 7-6. and six. Then I think it gets bare, you know, with backup quarterbacks. You got the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Jets, all at 5-8. and eight. Tennessee? I mean, that's interesting there. You know, I say that, but all of a sudden you look at what Tennessee did last night and you look at what the Jets did uh, with Zach Wilson getting all of a sudden a lot of support. I don't know. Easiest route and, and, and you know, you try to make a case for some of these teams. Houston goes to Tennessee. I'm like, I'm like scared to even try to make that pick, uh, especially if C.J. Stroud's not going to play. Denver going to Detroit. How in the hell do we figure out Detroit? Cincinnati? Are they going to win again on the road? Again, we just talked about Minnesota going to uh, Mullins as their quarterback. Buffalo will host Dallas. Totally different team. Dallas. They've scored what? I think it's eight or nine straight games where they've scored 30 points or more in Jerry's world. They're not nearly as successful on the road, and particularly going out to Buffalo, where it's brutally cold. So good luck trying to figure this out real quick for you. The NFC, uh, San Francisco, the bye would be number two, Dallas hosting number seven, Green Bay, number three, Detroit hosting number six, Minnesota, and Tampa Bay would actually be the divisional leader right now, hosting the first wild card team. That is the Philadelphia Eagles. Just nuts if you look what's going on uh, in the NFC. And let's see here, other NFC teams that 
have yet to be eliminated. Well, I guess they're all still in there, even Arizona at 3-10. and 10. The only team who's out is Carolina at 1-12. and 12. But those really in it, I, I think you would say, are you know the 6-7 and seven teams, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Falcons, and the Saints. All right, much more to do, including some of your feedback, getting a lot that's coming in here on the text line if you'd like to jump on in. Uh, the best way to join us, 641-1010 on the text line. And that is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. You know, all that Otani money is going to be deferred, at least 68 out of the $70 million, which is uh, just phenomenal, no matter what which way you look at it, but uh, of course they they broke it down, and, and, and this was before we knew about the deferred money, but if you look at $70 million a year, Otani would make $432,000 a game. Okay? $432,000 thousand dollars I remember Nolan Ron I think he was the first one million dollar player and I remember when they put together like it was four it was a four-year 12 million dollar contract and it was like three guys got it I want to say it was like Ricky Henderson Kirby Pocket Robin Yount and it was four years, $12 million. And I remember them being, you've got to be kidding me. $3 million a year. Otani's going to make that in less than a week. Just absolute funny money. He's making $133 a minute, Otani. And all of a sudden, you look at that lineup, man. The Dodgers have invested $1.2 billion in the top three players, one, two, three, you know, in their batting order. Mookie Betts, $365,000. Freddie Freeman, $162 million. And now you've got the $700 million for Otani, who, of course, is deferring 68 out of the $70 million every year. Still the second-best lineup in the National League. Even with Soto gone? You don't think it's saying? Oh, who do you think it is? Braves. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, the Braves were just wow. crushing it last year. Like from first to nine, That's one right, to nine, absolutely. Like the did they break the record for the most home runs? Oh yeah, they and I think they had like I don't know, close to a hundred more than the next best team. I feel like they Mookie, Freddie, and Shohei, of course, are the best three hitters. But after that, I mean, it's a pretty big fall off. I mean, Will Smith's all right. Will Smith's a pretty Good hitting catcher, but he's not a great player. Max Muncie is done. He's washed. James Altman's very young. Jason Hayward's completely washed. Miggy Rojas and David Peralta. Mm. The Braves, one through nine, they have great hitting. Justin Turner's gone. He was in Boston last year. Um, Gosh, I, I you know, Azuna getting 100 ribbies was nuts because he was out for so long. And, I mean, I want to say he had, like, 60 RBIs in, like, the last two and a half months. Well, he just—he wasn't out. He just was—he might as well have been out in April and May. He was so bad. 
Like he was hitting under the Mendoza line. Was everybody. it a domestic deal or something? Or was that a no? Year that ago? was a few years ago. But everybody yeah. was. He had a DUI a couple years back. But all the Braves fans were like booing him every time he got up at bat, and they were claiming it was because of the domestic mm-hmm. stuff. But it was because he sucked. Because the minute he started hitting, no one booed anymore. It's it, just a perfect example of like fans only care about arrests when it, you know, go. Listen, you don't hear any Jags fans talking about Zay Jones' arrest. You don't see any Bills fans talking about Von Miller. Well, you don't see any media members. Nah, in it's a very subjective. It. It's a very subjective uh, they, scenario. They don't care. Uh, the Braves almost had five guys with RBIs. If you look at Austin Riley, he had ninety-seven. Um, was it the Braves had? Th- was it three players with forty or more back in the? You know, the Davey Johnson. I know we've talked about this before. Hank Aaron, um, Daryl Evans. I want to say they had a fourth. Uh, Eddie Matthews, it had to have been, had to have been done by then. But I, I'd like to know what team has had the most 100 RBIs in one season. Th- those Dodger teams put up some scary numbers. When you had Ron Say, Steve Garvey, Dusty Baker, and Reggie Smith. I, I want to say all four of those guys are like 35 home runs plus. And maybe, I don't know if they all went north of 100 RBIs. So only three teams in the history have had five guys. Three. Yeah. 1894. A- right. 18, two 1894 teams. Anything and, modern? No, 1936 Yankees, which right. we all know. DiMaggio, Garrick. All right, so that's five, uh, right? Yeah, Did so you, I guess. Do you have the list of four? Four. No, let me see. Because that's hard to do. There's been several with three. Yeah, with four, we have Pittsburgh from 25, 29, 29. Okay, here's a recent one 96 and 97 and 99, all Colorado teams. Oh, man. Let me guess. Galarraga. That's one. Bichette. Two. Walker. No, actually. It wasn't one Larry of the Walker. Years, two of the years it was. Oh, uh, who was a big... Uh, Think of a third uh, baseman. A big third baseman. Come on, Baloo, Baloo, Played Baloo, for the Baloo, 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 I can't... Uh, the big cat that I already say him? You did. Oh. So, Galarraga, mm. Walker, right. and there's two guys, Bichette and Castilla. Vinny uh, Castilla. Vinny Castilla. I didn't say Dante Bichette. No. And, uh, Dante Bichette swung a bat like I would swing a a, uh, a, a you know an axe. He had that short little compact swing. He ha- it's like he had alligator arms. You remember his swing? You old enough to remember what he looked like? Absolutely. Uh, um, and his son is now playing. Oh, his son's really good. Yeah. Um, all right. So the most recent team with four hundred RBI guys is actually the Atlanta Braves in two thousand three. Javi Lopez, Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, and Gary Sheffield. Okay. And that's it. So it's Colorado, Atlanta, Atlanta. And some really old teams. Pittsburgh, Chicago, Philly from the 20s. Hmm. Interesting. We'll see what happens. I hated the fact that Soto got traded. Yes. uh, To the New York Yankees. Not a... uh, Think about that, you know, right field porch. Transfer portal. Uh, Trevor Etienne, the Georgia, a lot of talk, right? A lot of talk there. Cam Ward today from Washington State visiting Miami. 
reportedly he's evaluating Florida State. There's an opportunity that he may end up visiting Florida State. Uh, DJ Uyunglele is going to visit Florida State this weekend. And the former Hurricane, Tyler Van Dyke, on his way to Madison, Wisconsin. Couldn't think of the antithesis of Miami. Like, it has to be Madison, Wisconsin, right? The weather, the overall vibes, the people, the demographics. That's literally night and day. He is (laughs) a Connecticut kid. Okay. I forgot about that. Yeah. He'll be fine then. Remember asking him about that. I think he'll be good up there. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, you know, there hasn't been – we saw um, Lincoln Riley – you know, not Lincoln Riley, but who am I thinking of here? Uh, the Riley Leonard. Yeah, Riley Leonard go to Notre Dame. But there really hasn't been that explosion so far that I thought that we would get. Uh, like with the, the Manning. Yeah, I thought there'd be something huge here. Yeah, when Cam Ward is the biggest name, it's sort of like a wah, wah. But as a Miami fan, I would I would enjoy having Cam Ward come down to the U. 8043 says Marvin Jones Jr. will be transferring from Georgia to Florida State very soon. Mark it down. I'm not going to comment on that. I know Shade Treed well, and I, I do talk with him. Um, I'm just not going to comment on it. We'll see what happens. He, he's been injured, and he he just hasn't done much. I think he has one career sack and two years at Georgia. You know, he's a former five-star. But um, I don't mind coming out and saying that I would love for that to happen. Florida State's losing two-edge players. And, well, actually won the, the losing verse. The whole thing with Pat Payton, you know, he – he threatened, then he pulled back, and apparently, you know, that's a money grab, whether he gets it here or in Tallahassee or he gets it somewhere else. I think, still think they're involved with that. I noticed that came down again today uh, with an interior defensive line. I was about to say, I think yesterday another FSU player. Yeah, I'm, I'm, how come I can't think of his name uh, right now. He, he actually played better this year than – I gave him credit for. I, I thought he was kind of going to be kind of a lost soul. McCray. Um, LJ McCray. And he ended up doing some some pretty good things. No, not McCray. Oh, okay. uh, he's in the middle there. He, he's a defensive tackle, and he, he got some snaps. Came on really during the second half of the season, but he did the same thing. He, he basically grabbed the... Uh, the portal, Malcolm Ray. Malcolm Ray. That's it, Malcolm Ray. And and I was impressed. He, I mean, especially against Florida and Louisville, he came on late in the year. And I, yeah, I mean, I would. They're going to lose so much off that defensive line, especially if Farmer comes out, and and you know joins um, love it and joins uh, uh, I guess that's it. Uh, Fisk, Braden Fisk. Right, interior defensive lineman, those two DTs. Briggs, there's some talk that Dennis Briggs could possibly get like a seventh year waiver, but if not, he's out. You know, Farmer a year ago did the same thing. I, I, I never, I, I never get into this because it's unfair to the kids and the families and all that stuff. But what? Why don't I just present Joshua Farmer? as a guy that needs money. 
So I think he's going to leave earlier than perhaps he should. And he had a good year, too. I mean, Ray and Farmer were, were big surprises. We expected this out of Fisk. As a matter of fact, out of that whole group, the one that probably lost a little bit of stock was Fabian Lovett. His snap count was down. He ended up not being, uh, you know, a starter on, on, on a week-to-week basis. They went with Joshua Farmer. And, you know, it depends on who you talk to with the NIL and the battle's end and I, I know, but first of all, I'm really not as interested in this as a lot of people. I don't know why, but I've been in conversations where people have been, he's the highest paid player. He's the highest paid player. This guy's making this amount of money. Then I'll talk to someone else who laughs at me and will say, I've seen it. He's not making one-fourth of that money. Um, again, I don't talk about it because I really, and I just, I just don't. But in some circles, I was told that Fabian Lovett was the highest paid player on Florida State's roster last year. <laughs> it wasn't Jared Verse. It wasn't Trey Benson. Now, there was, I'm talking about with NIL, um, the battle's end or, or things like that. Obviously, Jordan Travis was able to do so much more when it came to marketing himself. That, you know, I think those skill position guys, him and Keon, probably ended up making a really good penny because they were able to do some other things, uh, T-shirts, whatever it was. I mean, they just had other endorsements. And, you know, Jared Verse, I think Jared Verse got on a, wasn't he on there with four or five other guys? He was doing a, um, you know, one of those supplement drinks or whatever, not obviously not Gatorade, but whatever it was, a Powerade, and, and that's going to that's gonna pay well. So those individual opportunities do come up for these players. But as far as doing, like, after Florida State got snubbed, I think the number was somewhere between 700 and 900 uh, new um, pledges that, that came from Seminole fans that were – putting it into the battle's end uh, part of the NIL. But I, my understanding is that there's other ways uh, that you can donate to the NIL. And, and honestly, I, I just haven't taken it upon myself to really dive headfirst into it. There's a part of me that kind of doesn't want to know. Um, it's probably for the better. I just... It's very... It seems just so... Like, okay, so I'm giving my money to an NIL. That's even worse than, like, not know When you give money to a charity and you find out, like, almost all charities are just taking all the money, you know, and, like, none of it goes to what they say it does. It's almost, I feel like, I need proof that this is going right to the recruit, you know? I, you know what, let me hit him up on Twitter and let me just give him some cash. Well, look, look at where we are in the NFL. Look at where we are in professional athletics when guys don't play well. What's the first thing you always hear is how much you're getting paid. I don't want that to be part of my focus in college that, Fabian Lovett didn't have a great year at Florida State, yet he was the highest paid player on the roster. I've had someone tell me that. I don't know if it's true. Yeah, that's the other thing. You could say any, you know, there's all those quote reports or whatever you call crap on Twitter that um, 
what's his name at Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr., is going to come back for $20 million. Yes. Yeah. And it's like you can just throw these numbers around because no one's going to tell you you're mm-hmm. wrong. Like yep. Jaden Rashada last year, there was asinine reports about Funny how much money. money. Exactly, and it was never even close to true. How about the Hunter money? You know, Jackson State to— Exactly, Colorado. No idea. And again, I've heard from— Bo- and, and this is what's even more interesting about is that they're both very credible people. And, you know, I've had one who's a little bit more business savvy and involved on that end who will look at me and say, this is what he's getting. I've had another, uh, others, okay, uh, plural, who have played the game and are also very close to what's going on. And I'm getting two totally opposite stories, right. which, which by the way, used to always happen in recruiting, okay? And I guess in a way, this is, this is kind of recruiting, but it's like I'm. It's not that I'm lazy. I'm just really not interested in it. I'm not interested in trying to figure out who I should believe and what I should believe. I, until it's all fact-based reporting. You know, until I can go to SpotTrack.com and look at the contracts, I don't believe anything I hear about NIL deals. I wouldn't be surprised if someday that's the way things are. I hope it is soon, just so we could have it on record. And a school has a certain a lot uh, a certain allotted amount of money that they can spend, and it's all out there for us to see. You know, if you're if you're in the SEC, Florida and Alabama and Georgia, they get the same amount of money to spend on their players as Vanderbilt. And I don't need that. I don't need a salary cap. I mean, that would just make it completely like the NFL. Right, but I, I mean, I don't want that. You want to go back to the days when Bear Bryant would bring in twelve All American running backs and and stash him. I'm fine in, with the way it is. Scholarships. I mean, I'm fine with the way it is now. I I don't need. NFL, like, listen, baseball does a salary cap doesn't equal parity. I, I, I tell me in what sport it does. I mean, like the same teams win in the NBA. The same teams go to the Super Bowl all the time. Like the one league we have that doesn't have a salary cap, we have different World Series winner every single year. We haven't had a back-to-back World Series winner in 25 years. Well, highest-paid baseball teams, all, all, uh fell apart this year, bounced out in the first uh, round. The highest-paid baseball team never wins the World Series. Revenue sharing. So, I uh, like um, that whole— I think the salary cap works in the NFL. Okay. Well, we have the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, like, almost every year. Right. New, we New have England's... the exact same teams in the NFC title game and the AFC title game all the time. We had Tom Brady and the Patriots win, like, 10—go to 10 Super Bowls. Like, that's the opposite Well, there's of no doubt. But what was always said then? He took, I don't know. He took less than the other quarterbacks so that they could compete. And um, they had the best quarterback and the best coach. Yes. So there's no doubt. You didn't allow other teams to overpay to get better players to compete with them. Yeah, but you, you, you uh, listen, I, the, I think the salary cap, because every year we talk about a team who finishes last, finishes yeah, but first. They, they don't win the Super Bowl. I mean, like, I don't care. Everybody goes to the playoffs in the NFL means nothing to me. You know, like, oh, somebody's going to finish 
nine and eight and win the NFC South. Like someone's going to go from last to first and win the NFC South. I don't care. Like they're not going to win the Super Bowl. You have to have a great quarterback to win the Super Bowl. That this. It's so it's so farcical that you oh salary cap brings parity that that's not true whatsoever in any sport. Salary caps are are good for one reason and one reason owners because uh, well yeah I mean absolutely it's good for owners there's no question it's good for them but you would have certain teams that would way overpay like the New York Yankees did like a, a lot of those teams did money is a a non object to them. Uh, it's it's all about winning. Um, salary cap in hockey is interesting. The salary cap in the NBA, especially with the exemptions and the Larry Bird rules and things like that, I, I never fully really understood. Uh, the NFL has, what, five Super Bowl winning coaches right now? Five Super Bowl winning uh, quarterbacks? I guess maybe a six now that, that Joe Flacco is back. Um I don't know what to make of it. I mean, there's still, what, four teams who've never been to the Super Bowl? Uh, there's still eight out of 32 teams who've never won uh, a Super Bowl? I'm not sure. I, I, I really don't. But I, I do like the cap. I, I think it would be unfair not to have one. At least that's my opinion on it. All right, let's come back, bring in Hacker, get you ready for uh, his show. And then, of course, tomorrow we are off. We'll be back with you on Thursday. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by... Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. All right, a very uh, needed off day. I don't think there's any doubt about it after the short week for the Jags. Tomorrow's huge. Uh, We'll get a better understanding as to what's going on, who's healthy on this football team, particularly on the offensive line. Hopefully Walker Little, that to me is the big one. Is he going to be able to come back and, uh, and help things out? Ezra Cleveland as well with the knee. We shall see several guys on defense, including three in the secondary. It feels like Tyson Campbell is going to be out for quite some time. Uh, hopefully, Andre Sisco is better. Uh, Jamal Agnew is actually eligible to return off of the injured reserve this week. I haven't heard anything there, although I think Parker Washington, yeah, he's fumbling the ball a little bit. He's actually done a, uh, a nice job. All right, uh, what do we have over there, JJ, for yes, Quiet Out Loud? Yes, we have a giveaway. At first, when you said a day off, I thought you were talking about us tomorrow. A Ooh. well-deserved day off after two days of work. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a $25 gift card to Superior Fireworks. This brought to you by our 1010XL Holiday Gift Guide. Head over to 1010XL.com for more great gift ideas. Sounds good. And what will we do? Take caller number four at 641-1010 right now. There you go, 641-1010. What a great gift that is. And you get an opportunity to talk with JJ. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL rolling with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, Hacker, what's going on tonight? Yeah, obviously still the fallout from Cleveland. Looking ahead to Baltimore, and it's interesting uh, obviously, we'll dive a lot more into this in the coming days. But uh, the more people I talk to, talk to two guys that cover the league nationally. I'll, you know, air those interviews later in the week. Both picking Jacksonville to win the game on Sunday. I know it's a week-to-week league, but a lot more people outside Jacksonville are picking the Jags to win Sunday than I believe inside Jacksonville are. 
All right, Jacksonville's better on the road than they are at home. Um, they're an injured team. Kyle Hamilton, we don't know about yet in Baltimore. Did they cite another reason? Are, are injuries a problem right now in Baltimore? No, not necessarily injuries. They mentioned Kyle Hamilton. Um, a lot of people don't really believe in Baltimore, at least the three guys I've talked to. They, they're 10-3. and three. They're a good team, but they've won a lot of games like the Rams game this past week. 37-31, great play by special teams to win it. And we'll see. Look, I'm going to pick Baltimore to win. I'm not breaking any news there. I said that on the fifth quarter on Sunday. I'm just taken aback at why so many people nationally seem to be picking Jacksonville to win. I think one thing that was pointed out to me is the matchup. Baltimore's passing game leaves a little bit to be desired. They like to run the football. That is the one thing still the Jaguars are good at stopping is the run. So from that perspective, they like that side of that matchup. Fourth in the NFL against the run, and and boy, it they were really gutted two weeks ago uh, on that Monday night against Cincinnati that had the worst rushing offense in the NFL. I remember last year they went through all those changes, the three-safety look against Baltimore, then three-linebacker look against Baltimore. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see what Jacksonville does and what Mike Caldwell does as far as defensive changes here against the run. Remember, that secondary is really beaten up right now. It is. No, there's no question. And, look, I was thinking about this. This is going to be part of my, you know, opening monologue coming up here. You know, Tom Brady in New England, you know, Peyton Manning in Indy, Big Ben in Pittsburgh, obviously Mahomes in KC. We've had dominant AFC teams for, like, the last two decades. I don't know if there is a dominant team this year. Kansas City's got flaws. Miami, I don't know what that was last night. That was bad on their part. I think that's... That's a whole other topic. They might go in free fall after that. Baltimore, I guess, Rick, is the most dominant, but I see flaws when they play as well. So you're not going to have that team that everybody's picking to go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. I would imagine three or four teams will be picked to come out of the AFC once the playoffs begin. What about an AFC team that has a Super Bowl-winning coach and a Super Bowl-winning quarterback who's won six out of the last seven? And that the Denver Broncos. Oh, Denver. Yeah, and only a game back at Kansas See, City. See, no one believes it. Yeah. But they've won six of seven. And the one game they lost, they were at the Texans' like 10-yard line yeah. Yeah. and just had an incomplete pass on fourth down. I don't know. I, I, I just think whatever we think we know now is going to change again this weekend, and it's going to change the next four weekends. Uh, I'm trying to remember a year where we've seen so many quarterbacks go down, so many teams just have their identity um, completely reversed. And, you know, I've always been one of those who says you can't win with a backup quarterback. Jacksonville's lost in consecutive weeks to backup quarterbacks. Yeah. Look at Kansas City's last four games. They're all against backup quarterbacks, all very winnable games. Even though they are 8-5, and five, they should win their next four games and end up being 12-5 and five when it's all said and done. Compare that to Baltimore's schedule – Two very losable games, in my opinion, for the Ravens. But um, I don't know. It's 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 nuts. You think you know a little bit about covering this game and understanding this game? Last week was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. I mean, I think I went. Um, I think I was three and six in my NFL picks straight up. Wow. I mean, eight underdogs won yeah. last week. I mean, right. it's parity at its finest. Like we talked about last night, eleven teams. In the AFC or seven and six or better, four of those eleven won't even make the playoffs. So it is a 
a mad dash to the finish here in the next month. All right. Well, what else you got tonight? Yeah, a lot of Jaguar talk. Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union will stop by. A little NBA talk as well. We're at the quarter pole of the NBA season. The Magic are 16 and 7, second in the East, only to your Boston Celtics. So maybe a Boston Orlando rivalry in the making there. So we'll have Zach Hanshu, Roto World, covering the NBA. He's coming up at the bottom of the 10 o'clock hour. All right. Have a lot of fun with that. Do we have a winner, JJ? We do. Um, congratulations. Oh, my God. I got to look it up. You got to look it up. You got to look it up. You got to look it up. what his damn name is? Well, I just got a text. Is his name Woody? Yes. He golfs with you all the time. (laughs) You've got to be kidding me. He won. Yes. All right. He wins nothing um, (laughs) except for this. Congratulations, Woody. That's it. JJ and I are off tomorrow night. It's our holiday party. We'll talk with you Thursday at 6 o'clock.